Welcome to Starkey Soundbites. I'm your host, Dave Fabry, Starkey's Chief Innovation Officer. Our guest today is going to bring a new perspective to this podcast as an athlete with hearing loss. Tyson Gillis is a retired baseball player uh, who recently made his debut on Team Canada's deaf hockey team uh, in the Olympics. Uh, and also, I think, uh, you know, many people don't realize that you won a, a gold medal in the Pan Am Games with Canada in 2015 when they were played in Toronto. So you're you're uh, an Olympian several times over here and uh, in multiple sports. And I think that alone is testimony to your athleticism. Uh, we're going to talk with you about, you know, the unique needs of athletes with hearing loss and really uh, appreciate your willing to share your journey with us and some of the perspectives that maybe the audiologists and hearing instrument specialists that listen to this podcast may not be familiar with. Really, you come from the unique perspective of somebody who's performed at a very high level in athletics with a significant hearing loss. And and I'd really like to begin by saying thank you for coming today to share your journey with us. And uh, let's talk a little bit about your journey with hearing loss all the way up to the majors um, and then also where you're going now too. So Tyson, thank you for being here. Well, first off, Dave, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, and again, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely happy to be here and love to, um, to tell my story and teach people about the environment we live in in the deaf and hard of hearing community mm-hmm. and anything I can do to help to spread awareness and, you know, give these kids a dream like I had a dream as a kid and show them that this dream can really become a reality. Excellent. Well, let's go back to the beginning and talk a little bit. You're Canadian and born in BC, one of my favorite places uh, on the planet. I've had the opportunity. I had a buddy that taught in Edmonton and uh, a very memorable trip that I took on a motorcycle to see him. And then we came down the backside in Jasper, Banff, into the Okanagan Valley. Oh, amazing. Yeah, wine country. uh, uh, Canloops and Kelowna. Kelowna, Kelowna, yep. Kelowna and that whole area. Best peaches I've ever had in my life. My parents live in Peachland now. Oh, they do? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think August is sort of, uh, July, August is sort of the time when they're at peak ripeness where you bite into them and you're like biting a bag of juice. Mm -hmm. uh, Exactly. I I can't tell you how many memories I had from that trip and the other times I've had the good fortune to be in Canada, but but where you're from, uh, uh, Vancouver and all of that, talk about your upbringing. You were first identified with hearing loss at a pretty young age, right? I was I was four and a half four years and old. Half. Oh, okay, so, so I was already reading lips and okay. actually speaking pretty well as a two year old, mm-hmm. and I had a little couple little behavior issues that mm-hmm. were going on here and there. I was mm-hmm. getting kind of getting lost in like shopping malls. My mom's like, "Oh, Tyson, we're going over here." Not a thing. So <laughs> I'm going, mm-hmm. taking little uh, U-turns here and there. And uh, obviously preschool was, was very tough for me. Um, yeah. The one the, they started to really notice something different is because of kind of how I uh, was reacting to whenever anything was out of routine. Yeah. Because I was really f- using my eyes at Probably such a visual, young age. Yeah. And yeah. everything was so visual for me. So I started to memorize what we do on a Monday, what we do on a Tuesday at such a young age, because it's just your survival instincts will kick in. And yeah, finally, after having that third or fourth time in that the hearing hearing booth, finally, they closed the blinds and realized that I was lip reading this entire time. So that's a good lesson for student audiology students out there 
is really don't take for granted that even young kids are capable of compensating for their hearing loss by adding. I mean, if you think you're hearing just with your ears, your ears are sensors that supply the brain and they integrate that information that's coming from visual uh, through lip reading. And so you are already very adept at compensating at a young age for this. And professionals are, are taught in school, you know, not to, uh, and, and for those listening, you won't get this, but push the button and then look up and push the button and then look up. Yeah. And any kid that is as sharp as you obviously were can figure out to push the button and kind of um, get through um, and compensate like that. And then as well for the word understanding to be able to read those lips. You exactly. can get about 40% of the content from lip reading. Yeah, so it was, I just, it, it takes me back to, you know, knowing like situations when I was a kid. Like mm -hmm. I, I have a, a memory that goes back so far because mm -hmm. of being, going through that, um, going through the hearing loss growing up, like knowing in preschool that my father was sitting there in the classroom for two weeks because I was misbehaving and mm -hmm. my parents were like, he's so good at home. We don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. And him just sitting there watching me and all of a sudden the teachers talking, I would get up and just start dancing or moving around and then he would look at me and I would look right back at him and I would know I would have to sit right back yeah. down. But with no clue what was going around and the, the environment, what the teacher was saying, like I was, I've lost for words as you say. <laughs> Interesting, so you, you managed to kind of fake your way through until you were four and a half or so. And then was that like kindergarten screening? In, in the US it's really common before you start kindergarten or in kindergarten they'll do screenings and then you, you clearly ran into someone who outmatched you on your on your lip reading capabilities <laughs> to uh, to identify that you had a hearing loss and and uh, do you mind sharing the degree of loss that was identified at that time? So I have a cookie bite hearing okay. loss. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not too sure the my decibel percentage back then, but mm -hmm. my loss now is um, obviously depleted over the years and sure. moved to profound. So it's been difficult, but you know I've like I said I've been uh, again through it and. As being even a kid, what did I have to do? I had to adapt. Yeah. And even now with being older, a little bit more aware, um, a little smarter, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I just had to keep on adapting and keep on surviving and living this life the best I can. Absolutely. Well, um, did you have any other siblings or was there a history of hearing loss in your family or did this come completely out of the blue to your parents uh, in that they weren't really thinking about it either. And, and your dad must have been, you know, what a commitment for him to say, you know, he would come into the classroom for two weeks and sit and observe because as is very common with hearing loss, kids are misdiagnosed as having behavioral problems when you had a hearing loss. But, but were your parents, um, did they have a history of hearing loss in the family? Any other siblings or family members with hearing loss? No, there was, there was no history at all. And they started to just, yeah, they started to see my behavior be triggered a little bit or if it was even being disciplined by the school teacher or by a coach or it's mm -hmm. and it was really tough because i would get frustrated yeah. you know and then I, I i already know like myself and kids like me you go through those kind of hyperactive mm -hmm. behavior and you lash out and with all the frustrations building up and and not really knowing why. Why am I being punished right now? Yeah, you don't know anything any different than what you had all your life. So how would you know that you were dealing with any issues different than any other kid in that classroom? So I can easily see the frustration, but, but cool that your dad 
went directly into the classroom and did that. And then you were fitted, uh, so you were identified at, at four and a half uh, and then fitted with hearing aids shortly afterwards? Yeah, and uh, people Both don't. ears? Yep, both okay, ears. So people don't know. Uh, after those two weeks, he was uh, with me in school. It mm. probably wasn't much later that uh, I was actually expelled from preschool. Oh, yeah. you, get, you got yeah. expelled from yeah. preschool. So you, you were fitted and then they expelled no, I, I still didn't have hearing aids. Oh, you yet. still didn't and have then, them. And then yeah. they expelled you from preschool. Yeah. Expelled for not listening. So. Yeah. <laughs> so then they got you fitted. Yeah, you couldn't, you listened, you couldn't hear. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. hear it. Nobody, nobody knew. So I think it became, I think it was a relief for my parents afterwards sure. because they're like, I was like, we're, we're doing our best here. And yeah. I can only imagine, you know, raising, raising a, a young, young kid, but raising a young kid who, it's, you can't hear you. There's communication barrier right yeah. there. So I think it came a little bit of a, a relief to them as well to know that. To put okay, a diagnosis on it. There and this is the reason. And then be able to say, okay, now now we have to go from here. Yep. Get you fitted. And then did, did um, so clearly they allowed you back into school. And, and uh, but, but so did you immediately, do you have memories? You talk about having memories way back. Do you remember first being fitted and then... Do you, did you see a transformation right away or did it take a while or what happened? Oh, that's when the real journey started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let alone, uh, yes, it was, it was great to hear, but did I want to wear them? Absolutely not. <laughs> so I think... Uh, welcome to my life. Yeah, yeah. welcome to uh, my life. I think my hearing aids at a very young time in um, my career with hearing aids, they took a couple spills, mm -hmm. a couple in the toilets and a couple from uh, the, the patio from four stories up in the apartment. So <laughs> trying to destroy them. Yes, exactly. Could, so. so I was very, very insecure to wear them, especially mm -hmm. being around young kids yeah. and everyone kind of always poking at my ears or kind of laughing. And, yeah. you know, it was, it was really tough. And that's kids a very, are brutal. That's, People want to think that kids are all kind and nice <laughs> to each other, but they're it particularly, I mean, they're, they're just brutal at that age in terms of differences. Exactly. So it was, it was, it was a very tough time growing mm -hmm. up. Um, mm -hmm. And I probably, went on for quite a few years, to be honest with you, before I said, you know what, I, th this is what it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this is how my life is going to be. I was like, I got to accept it. I got to embrace it and I got to move forward. Well, and so then as you did, did you, did you use like the um, classroom amplification systems where they transmitted directly to your, and, and how was that? Was oh, that again FM stigmatizing oh, the whole FM the system? FM system. Yeah, the teacher uh, had to put it on mm -hmm. and then you're, you're, you were maybe the only kid with hearing loss in the classroom. Yeah, the only one. So everyone knew the reason he or she was wearing that was for you and, and another sort of, uh, sort of, you know, the, the hard of hearing kid. Yeah. Uh, in the classroom, so I, I, I hear this a lot, you know, in the stigmatizing aspect of it. So, so it was just like another, here we go again, all eyes yeah. on me, yeah. and yeah, every question, why are you wearing that? Why are you wearing that? Oh, it's for him. It's for him, and it's just like over and over, just getting, just uh, always remembering. It's it was always like a, a means for kids to kind of like call me out or yeah. you know single me out, and it, it was very difficult, but. Like I said, when I started to embrace it, when yeah. I started to accept it, and I started to kind of make jokes, throw myself mm -hmm. under the bus, and mm -hmm. kind of just laugh with the kids and everything, that's when everyone truly started to ask me questions about hearing, get yeah. interested in Interesting. it. Interesting. And really started to feel accepted. Yeah. And, you know, I understand what it's like as a kid, and you're, you're out there, you're trying to, you're trying to, um, 
be yourself and you're trying to show your brand, but mm-hmm. you know, kids can be cruel. Oh, yeah. They really can be cruel too. Well, I had a chance to interview Lou Ferrigno a number of years ago, and he was born with much more significant loss than you have that went I, uh, undiagnosed for a while. He compensated for his hearing loss by he always idolized uh, uh, superheroes. And, and he clearly uh, put that effort into making his body bigger so that when kids picked on him, that uh, he could take care of things. Did you have any any sort of bent towards that? Because clearly, I've seen your Instagram page, and uh, you know you you've managed to uh, uh, build yourself up as a professional athlete. Did that factor in at all? That this was the way you could, you know, work hard to to be bigger and buffer than everyone. Absolutely. I mean, that that was the biggest thing. Um, I needed them to talk about something else. Yeah. I needed them to overlook. The hearing loss to not think mm-hmm. that i was a liability on the field or on the mm-hmm. ice so it's it wasn't just oh you know tyson gillies he's, he's got some pretty good skill set but you know what what if a ball gets hit into the right field gap is he gonna mm-hmm. run into our center fielder or right fielder and i i kind of made them talk about something else you know tyson gillies there he is again working hard yeah i mean yeah. same old same old so it started to just really mask you know what they what they had to talk about and that was that was my goal always, and I still in life still to this day. Yeah, I mean the work ethic's always been there, and it has to be there. Mm-hmm. So every kid in Canada grows up to want to be a baseball player. No, I, I mean I think of hockey player is the it's the national sport. So talk a little bit about did you play both? Did you I did you find baseball and hockey at the same time? Uh, which did you find first? How did you balance it? How did it uh, help you? Uh, take the focus off of your hearing onto your athleticism. So funny enough, uh, I grew up playing hockey. I started hockey at five, okay. and I didn't start baseball till eleven. Okay. So baseball was just something to do in the summer while I was waiting around for hockey season. Okay. <laughs> just to stay in shape. <laughs> it was, it was keep, my first keep your activity going. Things. It was really uh, hockey is my first love. It, it always has been, even mm-hmm. till this day, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, baseball just complemented the hockey so well, and I started to grow with it. And mm-hmm. I got picked up at 15 to, yeah. to leave home for baseball. Yeah. And at the time, I felt like I would have a better opportunity to get a college scholarship, go to, mm-hmm. to the States, you mm-hmm. know, travel the world a little bit. And so I took it. Certainly have done that, too. Mm-hmm. I got to believe that in the minor leagues in baseball, I think of all of the sports, well, probably, probably hockey, too, um, you end up going. You you end up moving a lot yeah. as you're progressing through. How did that? Uh, how was that for you? Did you embrace it in terms of, like you said, opportunity to see Canada, the U.S., uh, to see the world a little bit, or did you sort of, you know, do you like the moving around like that, or was that something you you sort of took as a burden, as a as a necessary part of the journey? I mean, I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, up until last year, I was living out of a suitcase for 16 years. Yeah. And yeah. seeing moving town to town, yeah. city to city, and being with Team Canada for baseball and traveling the world and seeing different countries and the international scale. Yeah. It was some of the best moments in my life. I met some of the most amazing people that you form a bond with because you have to survive with each other going mm-hmm. up in, into a sport. And you can be 16, 17, 18 years old. And trying to survive financially as well and having to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Being in the minor leagues, we don't really make a lot of money. So mm-hmm. we're sitting there in a Hanging three bedroom together. apartment with yeah. six teammates, an air mm-hmm. mattress beside a 
could be my teammate from Nicaragua, could be my teammate from Cuba. It's just you, you start to meet so many people and you start to learn the different cultures of the world. And I've found so much value in that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really shaped me as an individual today. No question. I think, you know, I always say that the thing that will keep us from trying to destroy each other from around the world is to break bread with people from around the yeah. world to understand that basically they're looking out for the same things as you are. And exactly. it's really when we only read the news or the high level that that's where we see the conflict in many cases. Now, obviously, there are exceptions to that, but it, 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 I think that ability with Team Canada to, to see the world and to interface with athletes all over the world is one thing. And then I think as well on the um, on the, the baseball side, you made it to the majors first with Seattle, right? I, all the way up to the bigs. I spent, uh, my furthest I got with Seattle was the exhibition series okay. um, in Las Vegas in 20, 2009. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah, while I was with the Phillies, I was on the major league roster for most of uh, four year, four out of the five years I was there. Okay. And with injuries plaguing on my yeah. shoulder and my foot, mm -hmm. I was just scratching the surface right there and I couldn't stay healthy to get on the field. But at the same time, I got to experience everything, the World Baseball Classic, got to experience international baseball, mm -hmm. playing in the Pan Olympics two to two separate times with a gold and silver medal. Mm -hmm. And now I want to switch over to my first love and hope to get to the opportunity to play with the Deaf Olympics in hockey in 2024. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so before we pivot to hockey, talk a little bit about your hearing loss and how that impacted you on the baseball field. What sorts of things did it challenge for you? And did, did your hearing loss and your lip reading capability give you a better ability to steal signs? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would have to say that pitchers started to kind of know. Yeah. So you can see that pitcher pitching coach interaction there, they made sure they cover their mouths when, mm -hmm. I, when I was on the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, it was actually very tough too. Um, mm -hmm. We talk we talk a little bit about um, my hearing loss in, in baseball and the effect it had on me was, it was tough for some of it because I had coaches telling me, you know, not wor don't worry about stealing third base because you can't tell me, I can't mm -hmm. yell at you and you can't hear me to get back. And I'm just sitting there, I was like, why would that ever be a thing? You know, why would that ever be an issue? Placing limits, you know, limitations place, on you. And they're placing limitations on me. And, you know, it was a, it was a very frustrating time. And I, I told myself way back when I was a kid, when I was training to be quarterback in high school mm -hmm. and I couldn't fit my hearing aids in my helmet. Mm -hmm. And the coach told me, well, you can't be quarterback then because mm -hmm. you can't hear out there. Mm -hmm. So they made me the field goal kicker. No kidding. <laughs> just so you, did, you, played, like, you played three sports, so you played football. Yeah. But you got you got blocked into the, yeah. the field goal kicker because of your hearing loss. Yeah. Because of that. I told see. I told people I would never that time I was in grade grade eight or eighth grade, you yeah. say in America, um, I said I would never let that happen again. And it was very frustrating. It was frustrating to be labeled by fans. Yeah. You know, walking through the tunnel and having fans yell for an autograph and being beside me or behind me and just couldn't couldn't hear them yeah and always getting labeled as you know having a bad attitude or mm. you know being ignorant and you know mm. these are the things that um people with who are deaf and hard of hearing have to go through that people don't realize you know it's it's still it's such a, a big secret and a lot of people don't have a general understanding of what it is we really go through 
Yeah, people just think, well, I'll just shout everything. That doesn't help. Oh, no. uh, you know, it just distorts and makes everything worse. What would be one thing if you consider that there's not only consumers, hearing aid users that listen to this podcast, but also professionals? What would be one thing you would uh, want professionals to know and understand from your journey that would help them be more empathetic and understanding to uh, the, the issues faced by people with hearing loss? Oh, I would just have to say, just the, the general understanding, just being, you know, pay, the, having the patience, like mm -hmm. the, the patience and really get to know your patient and what environment they're going through every day, whether it's work, whether, you know, it's in sports and, you know, trying to get to the, the bottom of, you know, how to not just help your hearing, but how that will relate to their mental health in general. Yeah. And, you know, so these are things that are really tough with me because not being able to hear and going through all these frustrations, you you start to get mixed in your, your emotions and, mm -hmm. you know, your mental health really takes a toll. And that leads to a lot of frustrations, a lot of isolation. And these are things that I know kids are, kids are going through because I went through them all. Yeah. And even nowadays, I'm, I'm 33 years old now, and I'm still learning so much in this world. And I'm still, you know, trying to just get through some days as well. Like it's, it's not, the grass isn't always green all the time. The sky's not always blue, but I'm trying to figure it out and trying to adapt just like everybody else. Oh, no question. And, and I think that you highlight a really important point. Too often, especially, you know, when people get right out of school or finish with their training, that they're looking at the audiogram and thinking about, okay, what do I need to fit on this uh, patient uh, based on the audiogram? And there's so much more, as you just articulated, uh, about the patient yep. that they need to learn. They need to learn about the auditory issues, certainly. Yep. But then all of the non-auditory lifestyle factors, and you don't really know a patient until you get to know yeah. them, and and that really requires listening as well as talking, exactly. and not just telling you everything that I know uh, that's going to put in you know my expertise in fitting you, but listening. What are your concerns? What are your fears? Exactly. How did you get here? And, it's uh, a very it's a very intimate thing that you can have with you know your audiologist yeah. or hearing professional fitting you. It's just so we can learn so much from uh, obviously audiologists with new technology mm -hmm. and custom settings and and they can learn so much for us about what kind of environment you're in what kind of environment he's in she's in they're in you know and i think that's very important to really get into their 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 present their past you know to help their future well and and too often I mean, in canada and in the us we're being faced with um, you know, the fact that the biggest competitor, you know, you're all about competition. Our biggest competitor is not the other brands of hearing aids that are produced, but non-compliance, non-use. Only about a third of the people who have hearing loss do something about it, meaning two-thirds of the people still have the cost or the stigma or the accessibility, mm -hmm. all of those other things. And so the more that we can raise awareness for what people with hearing loss are capable of, not placing limitations on them, but looking at the opportunities, maybe some adjustments that have to be made, yep. but they're capable of doing every bit and more of what a, a person uh, with normal hearing, no hearing loss can do. Exactly. But, but it's that understanding that's so, so crucial to that. And I think when clinicians worry about uh, uh, being their role being commoditized by over-the-counter hearing aids or low-cost providers, 
the one thing that can't be commoditized, I always say, is caring. Yep. And and if you really care enough to find out more about what your patient, why, what brought your patient in to see you, and, and just like you said better than I can, um, that is going to prevent your role from being commoditized. You can't commoditize caring. Exactly. Exactly. So right now I know you're, um, you're wearing Evolve AI devices. Yep. And uh, I, I, I'll, I'll put a pin in that for a minute because I want to transition as uh, you, you, your, your baseball career, you're retired, and now you're, um, you're competing at a very high level in hockey to, as you said, have a goal to participate in the Olympics uh, uh, in, the, in 2024. Yes. Right? Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, so I've actually always had the dream to play with this team. Yeah. I mean, I think I've known about this team for probably close to 10 years now, and I've always been playing baseball and mm -hmm. always kind of seeing the, their trips that they've been going on, like the Death Olympics mm -hmm. uh, in, in Italy in 2019, mm -hmm. where they won the, the silver medal. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's very exciting. And being being a part of uh, the clubhouse and being with the guys, and, you know, these are the things that a retired athlete and by any means is going to miss the most. Mm -hmm. I mean, the stories with, with the the people that have been so close to you that you went into battle with, and that's something that I want to hold on to as long as I can. Sure. So yeah, thirty three is not that old. <laughs> you still got lots of time. Lots, to lots of surgeries later. I'm yeah. I'm back getting on the ice and ready to sacrifice my body some more just for for those memories. And I had the the opportunity to play these two exhibition games this mm -hmm. past weekend against okay. Team USA, mm -hmm. and it was it was an amazing. I, I have never. It's been a long time since I've felt that alive, and awesome. it's the first time I've actually been in a room with people deaf and hard of hearing, mm -hmm. like myself, play, who play sports. It's the mm -hmm. first time I've it's it's ever happened, and to to see the way those guys carry themselves and the way they take care of each other, and the mm -hmm. and how uh, accepting and welcoming they were for me as a 33 year old rookie coming into the yeah. clubhouse the youngest yeah. kid at 17 the oldest guy right here <laughs> and just how amazing they took me under their wing and taught me about you know hockey and teaching me a sport that i haven't played um played in 17 years wow. what position are you playing i was playing uh, left wing left wing okay fantastic well we'll look forward to seeing that as you continue your journey towards the Deaf Olympics in 2024. Where are they? I'm, I believe they're either in Quebec okay. or at Portland. Awesome. I, think they're, I think they're trying to make the decision now. Awesome, that's great. Well, let's talk a little bit. So you're, you're wearing now, you've, you've had multiple sets of hearing aids, I'm sure, over, over your lifetime yep, since you correct. were fit now some nearly 30 years ago. Um, so how has the technology changed uh, from your first set of devices to your Evolve AI ones? Oh, I've, it's it's been you can't even you can't even compare <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to what to the old hearing aids back in the day to now. I mean, this this sound quality in general and being able to hear that that R I couldn't hear before that mm -hmm. TH sound, mm -hmm. and it, it's allowed my mind to to roll and be able to put together a sentence and you know the topic of what we've been talking about and be able to come back and be a part of a conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's huge, and especially now with all the features that have been so amazing for my everyday life, as far as being in the Thrive app yeah. and having the activity tracker. I mean, you like I'm the such activity a, yeah, tracker? Like, so, yeah. Oh, it's been amazing like, yeah. to, for my calories and my mm -hmm. total steps in a day to mm -hmm. being the 
like the best healthable hearing aid on the market that you can get as far as making sure that these you're interacting with people you're you're putting yourself out there you're, yeah. you're engaging in conversation you're trying to grow as a person yeah now are you fluent in both uh english and french just English. Just English. Yeah, so have you used the translation feature at all? I, that's that's what I was going to get yeah, to I, next as yeah. far as my love to travel the world. Mm -hmm. I, I've actually, playing in Quebec City, I've used the, mm -hmm. the translation. And I can't wait to travel the world even more and try it out in all different countries. I mean, I think that would be my goal to go about 27 of them on the list right now. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. That's fantastic. Well, and we, you know, we have the ability as you said, to have the, the tracking, to be able to track your physical activity or your exercise, your steps. And as someone who's easily gamified, I like to fill those buckets up yep. and get that maximum oh, score yeah. every day. Mm -hmm. One of the other things we talk about is um, uh, the, the reminder feature where you can set reminders. And you know, we typically talk about this in terms of medication reminders for older people. Mm -hmm. But for someone like yourself, you can remind yourself of appointments or places yep. where you have to be and things, and you can set up a, a daily, weekly, monthly, or even an annual reminder so you don't forget anyone's birthdays yep. and things like that. Have you used the reminder feature at all? Oh, I mean, it's it gets me through my week, especially yeah. very busy with uh, the youth baseball and training yep. the kids all the time to know that I have to be on the field at this time. I have a private, private instruction hitting lesson at this time. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got to take some time for myself at this time. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's been, it's been really amazing. It's been very accommodating and very convenient. Yeah, it's something that a lot of people think of, oh, well, that's just for older people. And I think the use cases for all of these features really transcend age. And going back again to the pointer for the, for the professionals listening, get to know what your patient's lifestyle is, yep. what their needs and expectations are. Don't presume that you would think medication reminders, but think about, setting up reminders for for your uh, your programs that you're running for your appointments that you got to go to all of those things uh, can really serve as additional I, I say it like provides you with superpowers you get an audio exactly. reminder and you can even control the hearing aids using voice commands have you ever tried that you can yeah. turn it up the volume yeah. change programs exactly I mean I, I love all the features I, I feel like a modern day inspector gadget most of the time <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. it's, been, it's been truly amazing and uh yeah, people people ask me all the time about the settings, and they're just they're floored by it, and it, it's it's very exciting to talk about. And I think that talking about that with uh, different people, they're they're more likely to now. Okay, I might as well go get my hearing tested. Yeah, yeah it's like such cool things. Yeah. Like you can stream your music, your calls, yeah. everything's hands free. Yeah, I mean, um, just it's just amazing. How now, do you wear do you wear uh, in the ear custom devices or over the ear? Do you have both? I wear both. You, when you're when you're putting a helmet on, I would assume in the yep. ear is easier, and it's a lot easier with because I'm with all the moisture and yeah. sweat and like the hockey helmet or the baseball hat or yep. if you're out and it's raining on the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely really convenient having the in the ear hearing aids in. Yeah, we talk about, I mean, the ear is a hostile work environment. Yeah. There's, and especially for someone playing outdoors or playing on an ice rink, a hockey rink, where there's moisture and there's humidity close to the ice and you're falling and you yeah. want to make sure that they stay securely in your ears. Uh, and that's why I was curious. The custom probably are that best solution. Do you use the rechargeable batteries? Yes, that's, that's been, that has been <laughs> huge, huge for me uh, going forward is, not losing those little batteries anymore and yeah. not sitting there and all of a sudden the pharmacy is closed because we all know that is 
very devastating moments. <laughs> yeah, you're out of luck then at that point. So that's where I think having a backup pair yep. in your case is useful. And then having both the custom and over the ear style. Do you have a preference just for one in general uh, versus the other? I think my preference right now would be um, my RICs, mm -hmm. the AP molds have mm -hmm. been yeah. really great for me because it yeah. gives me that that sound boost that I need and um, that com that uh, the uh, confidence to have that that conversation because it's a little bit louder, like it's very 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 crisp and yeah. um, really good for that conversation, being in the restaurants and being in meetings. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been. Uh, it's been very good for me. Have, okay, so now going back to your youth, and you talked about those FM transmitters and and sort of how you sort of grimaced considering that uh, because it singled you out. Yeah. Have you used any accessories for your devices now that you live in the Bluetooth world? And not only are you connected to your smartphone, and you already mentioned that you use the Thrive app to control yeah. the devices. You can stream phone calls, as you mentioned. You can stream podcasts and music. Mm -hmm. Have you explored or tried an accessory in any cases where there is a challenging listening environment, like the table mic, yep. or the remote mic, or the TV streamer? I've used the table mic actually in uh, like a team meeting. Okay. Put the table mic right there. Because like it? Because you'll have a conversation with the coach on one side, the other coach on the other, some of the players. So mm -hmm. the, all the different camera or different microphone settings in that in the table mic to be able to catch and get uh, and real time translate right to my ears. It's been it's been absolutely amazing. Okay, I mean, good. I think it's one of the it's I really wish I had that as a kid. So again, you think about how far it's come and that instead of something that you thought about, oh, you know, this is singling me out yep. as the hard of hearing kid versus something that, as I said, gives you a, a bit of a superpower in that to the degree that your hearing loss allows, it allows you to outperform exactly. your normal hearing counterpart in the same environment. And then you get people saying, wait a minute, what's that? How's that work? Can, how do I get that? Yeah, exactly. I've had, if, <laughs> <laughs> I've had so many so many people come up to me or, or call me and be like, okay, I think I want hearing aids. I don't need them, but I think I want them. <laughs> right, for all of the things that they can do and see you <laughs> oh, doing. Exactly. So Well, so we talked earlier and you gave some great advice for professionals to consider when they're working with the patient and they're not just working with a pair of ears, but they're working with a whole human who has a whole journey before you and after yep. you. What about what advice would you give young kids? And I know in tra uh, tra Travail, mm -hmm. now you're working with kids um, to develop uh, their skills as athletes, and I'm assuming for both baseball and for hockey? We're doing it for uh, baseball. Baseball, yeah. okay. Starting so, baseball. Starting baseball. Um, but what advice do you have for kids who want to grow up to be a, a professional athlete like you? And then are there any other, spe given your history as a kid with a hearing loss who overcame some of those early obstacles to succeed at a very high level, winning a gold medal at the Pan Am Games, what advice do you have for kids who want to grow up to be a, a pro athlete? And what advice do you have special, unique to your journey as a kid with a hearing loss? Listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. What do you, you know, mean? Expand on that. I say listen to yourself. I was like, you have a dream. I had a dream. I had a goal. And I had a lot of people telling me that it would never become a reality. Placing limits. Placing limits and telling me that, you know, laughing at me or telling me, like, because I wanted to be a professional athlete when mm -hmm. I was a kid. And they're like, well, you can't hear on the field or you can't hear somebody call for the puck. I was like, yeah, but I'm going to find a way anyways. Mm -hmm. So I listened to myself and I, I 
I allowed myself to reach for the reach for the clouds. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was going to go in there and I was going to put the work in. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we can go back to what I had to do to defy these odds, as you'll call them, yeah. and um, get away from those limitations that people put on me and the labels that they put yeah. on me as a kid. And I was going to give them something else to talk about. Yeah, the odds are long for any kid who wishes to be a professional professional athlete. And then in addition, based on the fact that you had a hearing loss, weren't identified, you know, we were, you, were, you were told you had behavioral problems yep. until four and a half, then were fitted. And, you know, still being able to pick up all of the players around there, you know, when you have that hearing loss, you had to use your eyes probably more than uh, than the average person and paying attention to those details. Yeah. But the fact that you were able to do that, commit to yourself, look at uh, and listen to your own voice inside. Exactly. Use all of those uh, a combination of senses that you're getting input on. Do you feel as though... Um, th- that your hearing loss made you more uh, visual. You mentioned it a couple times that, you know, being more in tune to the visual surroundings. I have to. I mean, it goes right back to just human survival instincts, you know, mm-hmm. as like, those had to kick in. And going back to what you said about, you know, things uh, to tell like the kids that have the dream of coming up is like we try and teach our kids is like fail now. Yeah. Fail now and fail yeah over and over and over and learn how to and deal with yes, that exactly so that then you can the success will come exactly so is that what talk a little bit about what uh travail and 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 how you work on that with the uh travail translation to, to uh french but how it, what are you building in them at this age work yeah work ethic yeah so you you look at the definition of that word and yeah. you can see an unbearable experience <laughs> I mean, I've grown up with an unbearable experience since Mm -hmm. day one. Mm -hmm. And I knew I had to put the work in. So my business partner, Michael Krause, and myself, we both went through, you know, it's kind of tough upbringings when it came to to that. And so we teach our kids about failure, about sacrifice, because you got to build a certain threshold to be able to survive in sports and not even in sports. Sports is second. Yeah. We're building character. Yeah. And these young men and women, and we're trying to get them ready for the real world. Yeah. Sports is just a plus. Yeah. John Maxwell says the dream is free, but the journey is not. Exactly. And when you think about that journey to professional, uh, to, to the professional level, seeing, you know, where they talk about 10,000 hours at a minimum is what you have to invest in perfecting your craft, no matter whether it's music or sports or anything else, academics, you got to put 10,000 hours in and everyone thinks about the dream from here to there, but it's that work that comes in between that is essential yeah. to that goal. Exactly, so, exactly. You hit, it, you hit it right on. So that's great what you're modeling for these young kids. Uh, and uh, have you had any prospects? I know you've been doing this for about three and a half years, yeah. right? Any prospects yet that you see really ha- don't don't name any names because <laughs> by doing that you're putting lids on the yeah. other kid. But no. do, have you seen any that really have promise that may be able to indeed achieve their dream as long as those odds are? Yeah, I mean we do. We, That's we cool. see it every day. We see these young kids, and we handle kids anywhere from five to eighteen, nineteen. It's awesome. And we start to see these kids that have they have a high ceiling. And now we just want to, we hope they can grow with us because they're teaching us so much every day about ourselves and about, you know, their lives and what they have to go through. And, you know, it's just been, it's been such an awesome interaction and an awesome exchange altogether. Well, uh, I appreciate your sharing this time with us today. And um, for the last couple minutes, I want to 
uh, do a, a bit of what's become a tradition. We talk about this podcast as focusing on hearing better and living better. And um, sound is sort of the central theme. And as somebody that um, has achieved great success in multiple sports now, uh, what favorite sounds do you have that you think of in the world, whether it's in the sporting world or in, in your family or in any other area? In the wilderness, you've grown up in a great part of the world where there's a great wilderness there. But what are some of your favorite sounds? Oh, you won't believe this one. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have this obsession with bagpipes. Bagpipes. I love listening to bagpipes. Wow, not, and for me, it's sort of like you, you go to heaven and here's your harp. You go to hell and here's your bagpipe. Not, but, nothing uh, nothing kind of gets the adrenaline going and gets me more excited than awesome. listening to bagpipes. So where did that come from? I, I honestly, huh. I, I'm not even too sure. That's I just cool. when I, I think the first time I kind of heard bagpipes, I just loved like that sound and kind of how it, how it, how I hear that sound, which could be a lot different than everybody else, else hears well, that sound. Well, you've just given me inspiration. So your walk-in music could be ACDC, Long Way to the Top, oh, which yeah. fits with Travai. Yeah. And there's a big bagpipe yep. role in that uh, song. So mm -hmm. that's cool. <laughs> so how about, okay, so one other thing that I want to ask, uh, again, specifically for you as somebody with a hearing loss who's looked at uh, taking limitations away, uh, favorite movie uh, because one of the things that I think about is, to date, we're starting to see more and more movies. In the past, whenever there was a movie with someone who was a hearing aid user or a cochlear implant user, that element, the hearing aid or the hearing loss or the, the implant was always a part of the plot. Quiet Place, mm -hmm. um, Mr. Holland's Opus, those kinds of things, Coda. But we're starting to see movies that can feature, my dream is to have someone with hearing aids or a cochlear implant that's in the movie and that the, the plot doesn't factor in at all to the fact that this person happens to have a hearing loss or a hearing aid. So what favorite movies do you have? And are you a movie person to begin oh, with? Oh, big, big okay. time movie okay. person. Well, then, then it's easy. For What's your favorite movie or movies that inspire you? I think one of my favorite movies of all time would probably have to be Major Pain. Ah. And there actually is somebody yes. in the movie deaf and hard of hearing okay I didn't, we didn't plan this out in advance so that's interesting and uh and so you know i think you know the goal is really just to 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 get this to society where we remove that stigma yep. we recognize the importance of uh of hearing aids and and and, and hearing loss offsetting just like, you know, some people take medication for blood pressure. Other people have to wear glasses and hearing aids should just become a part of the landscape and, and without placing limitations. It, it pains me to hear even a, a man as young as you, 33, that you were told, well, you can't do this because you have a hearing loss. And so, you know, I, I can't tell you how inspirational it is to have you here today sharing your story with us. And I wish you all of the best in the future. And I'll look forward to seeing you in the in the Deaf Olympics in 2024. I hope so too. Hey, it's been an absolute pleasure, Dave. Thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So to our listeners, uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Starkey Soundbites. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review us as your, on your preferred uh, podcast platform. And you can also follow us by hitting subscribe to be sure you don't miss a single episode. We'll see and hear you next time.